We want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy this message. This is week two of Christmas at the Movies. Because of copyright laws, we can't stream the clips, but we want you to tune in and hear the message God has for you. I don't know about you, but that is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. I think you have to watch it every single year. Uh, It's fun. And I'm excited to get to speak to you today about the greatest message of truth the world has ever known. And uh, we get to do that through a unique way today. It's a special theatrical story. I wrote that just for y'all. I thought you'd be impressed with it, but it's cool. We'll go on. I got, <laughs> I get to do Home Alone and, and it's going to be fun. But before we dive into to Home Alone, uh, I would like to read the word of God. And uh, so if you will, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Psalms 23. If you don't, it'll be on the screen for you. And it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love reading that scripture. If you need a pick-me-up, read Psalms 23 in the morning. It'll get you pumped. You should probably memorize it. As I was getting ready for this message, you know, one, one of the cool things about At The Movies is uh, I love the way Pastor Ty said it on the, uh, last week when he was introducing it. We're, we're not taking a movie and trying to fit it to the Bible. We take the word of God and, and we tell truths that are in the word of God and we use a parable, a story to talk about it. And, and uh, so as I was studying this, I was like, OK, what's what parallel can we use in this story? I mean, what what can we look for and and do the parallel on site. Well, you know, an easy parallel would be uh, to talk about the dysfunctional families. You know, obviously this was a dysfunctional family, right? And nothing brings out dysfunction like Christmas. You know, we all have that one cousin. If you don't know about it, it's probably because you are the one cousin. Um, I don't know. <laughs> could be. I don't know. So I thought I could talk about the original dysfunctional family. You know, I thought I could talk about Adam and Eve. You think your family is bad. They doomed humanity. It was pretty dysfunctional, you know? I was like, oh, we could talk about this. We could talk about uh, that. And, and isn't it awesome? I thought we could find the Christmas story in, in Adam and Eve's story because isn't that why Jesus came? He came and he stepped down into our trauma so he could turn it into a testimony. He, he, he stepped out of heaven and, and he came through virgin birth I mean, miracle power of God lived a perfect life for 30 years, 32, 33, sorry, get my Bible facts right here, 30 years before he started his ministry. And the whole purpose of that was to bring us back into right standing with God. Oh, man, we, we could talk about that. I thought maybe we could talk about how Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we can continue to hide behind our sin, hide our sin behind inadequate fig leaves. 
I thought maybe I could come and tell you that Jesus wants to step into your dysfunction and heal it. I thought also I could let you know that God cannot heal that which we choose to hide. But he told me no, not to talk about that. So we're going to talk about something else. <laughs> if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is The Space Between. The Space Between. If you'd open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14, we'll read. It'll be up on the screen. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. You ever gone to bed and everything was great and you woke up and all hell was breaking loose in your life? That's kind of what is happening in this story. He goes to bed, everything's cool. He's not expecting anything. I don't know why he was leaving. I don't know why he got up early. Uh, you know, anybody not like getting up early? But this guy got up early and was he run into an army. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want to talk to you today about the space between what is and what will be. Don't we spend most of our life trying to figure out the unseen things? Don't we spend most of our life looking at what we're facing and trying to figure out what's going to happen? We live in this unseen world trying to figure out the future, the space between what is and what will be. I, 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 sometimes in my life, I, when I'm not focused on the gospel and who Jesus is, I can look at what is, what I've got in my life, and I can start to imagine what would really satisfy me. You know, I start thinking about, man, if I just had this, I would be satisfied. Right now, it's like, man, if I just got that brand new F-250, that would just really make me feel good about my life. And then I look at my budget and remember, we can't afford that, so we're not doing that, Right? You should look at your budgets, by the way. Anyway, that's a different message. <laughs> and we try and think that something's going to satisfy us besides Jesus. And I, have you ever wanted something so bad, and then when you got it, you didn't realize it came with some pain? You didn't know it was going to happen? Well, that's kind of what happened to my good friend, Kevin McAllister. He thought the thing that he wanted was to not have a family. One of my favorite lines, and it wasn't in the trailer that we just watched, but one of my favorite lines, as he's talking to his everybody, and he's like, will you pack a bag for me? And finally, he's like, everybody's just a bunch of jerks. And he says this, this is so great. He says, when I grow up and get married, I'm going to live alone. <laughs> I don't think that, yeah, okay, cool, cool. You know, so this is, this is the life that he thinks. He, he, he looks and he, and he wishes that his family wasn't there. And this is what happens and what shows up when he gets what he wants. I love that. Isn't it cool they want VCRs? That's probably my favorite. <laughs> anyway. One of the things that lives in the unseen, in the space between what is and what will be, is fear. We come against something. We face a trial in our life. We wake up and we feel surrounded. And fear can live right here in the space between what is and what will be. I wanna tell you a few things about fear that I think you'll find interesting. The first one is really gonna blow your mind. Are you guys ready? So good. You can't spell fear without ear. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Let me tell you why that's important. 
What we hear determines what we believe. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, it says uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith and fear both come by something that we hear. What are you listening to? See, if, if, if my first response, see, sometimes we respond in fear and then we get into faith. You know, and I think that's okay. Sometimes we like initially get the bad news or we initially face the mountain and we're like, I'm afraid. And then we remember what God told us. But sometimes we just stay afraid. And it's in those moments when my, when my response is always fear, when I'm always listening and afraid of what will be and that it's not gonna be okay. Maybe I need to check if I'm listening to the right voices in my life. Maybe it's a sign that who I have speaking into my ear isn't the right person. Fear has to do with what we hear. And that's important. Just like faith, it comes by hearing. The other thing that I want to tell you about fear that I think is so important is that fear fosters pride. Fear fosters pride. Well, how does fear foster pride? Well, let me give you an example. If I'm afraid of rejection, who am I worried about? Me. They're not going to like me. Ugh. Well, well, Pastor Jeff, you don't realize that I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid for me. I'm afraid for my family that something's going to happen to them. But even that, what am I most afraid of? That I'm going to have a void in my life. Fear fosters pride. Right at the center of pride is I. Self. And, and the Bible says that, that God resists the proud but gives more grace to the humble. He resists the proud and gives more grace to the humble. And, and what can happen is we can actually be so seduced by fear, we can get so into fear that we actually begin to have a false sense of faith in ourselves instead of in God. Because this, this is what we do. You've ever done this before? You're like, if I can just control everything, then it'll all be okay but you can't even control if you're gonna wake up tomorrow. It's a false sense of faith in yourself. I wanna give you a picture as we return to our story about what a false sense of faith looks like. See, and that sometimes is how we feel when we have a false sense of faith in ourselves. See, we can have faith in ourselves as long as what we're facing is smaller than us, but the instant it becomes bigger than us, our faith in ourselves fails. I want to I share something that the Lord revealed with me. Faith is a spirit. I'm sorry. Fear is a spirit. Faith is a seed. Fear is a spirit. Faith is a seed. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, this was my daddy's favorite verse. Not because I believe he was afraid, but because it got us, when we had a bad dream, out of his bed and back into our own. Because he would look at you and say, hey, what does 2 Timothy 1.7 say? And we'd have to say, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And he's like, now roll over and go back to sleep. You know? And I'm like, but dad. And he's like, go back to sleep. You know? And, and while I love that and that I believe there's some, some, some truth in that, the, the context of this scripture has less to do about being afraid of the dark and more to do about being timid when it comes to preaching the gospel. Because Paul is talking to Timothy and, and, he, and he's saying to him in verse six, he's looking, he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. 
right? And he's talking about being able to pastor this church. And he looks at him and he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, when I was doing my research on this, this word spirit in the Greek is the same Greek word they used to describe the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it kind of perplexed me a little bit. I was like, why would you use that word that you use to describe the Holy Spirit to describe a spirit of fear? And, and, and what I believe is that, that, that Paul was saying to Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. That's not what you waited for when we waited in the upper room for God to send the Holy Spirit. He was saying, reminding us, I didn't give you a fruit of the spirit being fear. I gave you power, love, and a sound mind. He was reminding him of the actual spirit that God gave him, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's why I think he was all about that. See, fear is a trap. Fear will trap you. It, it gets you to start thinking and, and, and producing. And this is the funny thing is most people go, I can't have faith. But then you believe that all this bad stuff is going to happen in your life. And guess what? That's called faith. But it's just in fear and not in God. See, y'all remember on the trailer that we watched our first clip? One of my favorite parts is uh, when Marv jumps in through the window and he doesn't have any shoes on and he, and he jumps onto the Christmas ornaments. That's got to hurt worse than Legos. Anybody ever step on a Lego? That's terrible, you know, but it's got to hurt, hurt bad. And, and I was thinking about that and I felt so strongly that we can either be the robbers or we can be the kid. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. When we agree in the space between the unseen, when we agree with fear, we're like the robbers who get trapped time after time after time. Booby trap after booby trap after booby trap. Yeah. Or we could be like the kid who knew exactly what they were gonna do and trapped them. We know how to defend the house against fear because the spirit told us. Yeah. See, faith is also a seed. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And one translation actually says, Because you have little faith. Now, now the, the context of this story is that the disciple, a man brought his son who was demon possessed to the disciples. The disciples prayed but couldn't cast him out. So they bring him to Jesus. Now, Jesus casts the, the demon out, and after that, his disciples are talking to him, and, he, and they're asking him, Why could we not do it? And he says, Because of your little faith. And, and, and I was like, well, that's weird because he said, because of your little faith. But, but then he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. And have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's not very big. And, and this is what God told me. Faith is, has less to do with the size of the faith that you have and more to do with whether or not your faith is living. So what do you do with the seed? You plant it. What does it do? It produces something. Fear can never produce anything in your life. It can just trap you and keep you from producing the kingdom fruit God wants you to have. But when you plant faith, 
See, I, I was writing our echo group notes today, and I got a little something. So y'all are getting some new material that, last, that, that yesterday didn't get. Y'all should feel good about yourself, all right? Hey, this is what we do when we get into what is, when we're in the gap between what is and what will be. See, we plant the seed of faith in the dirt of what we see. And then we water it with belief in the space between, and it produces the unseen results that God always wanted for us. You plan it. You say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I believe. I believe. See, the cool thing about this whole scripture in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and Matthew 17, 20, one of my favorite parts is, is, is going to another scripture in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And I know you've heard it, and it says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Another translation says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's time to get free from the trap of fear and live in agreement with faith. Listen, whether you know it or not, you're agreeing with something in the unseen. It may be fear. It may be worry. It may be something besides what God has for you. But you're agreeing with something. And we got to get intentional. We got to get intentional about this. Uh, Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. If that doesn't tell you that it's a trap, also it should tell you that the first place I need to go before I start asking other people's advice is to seek the Lord so that he can deliver me from all my fears and then in, in godly counsel, I can make a good decision. But some of us do it backwards. We get counsel before we ever seek the Lord and counsel starts to tell us all the reasons why we should be afraid of the situation that we're facing and, and God said, try again. And God looks at us and says, do not be afraid, only believe. Do you, you remember J. Iris? What, what happened to J. Iris? Somebody else got the miracle while his little girl was dying at home. Can you imagine what faith it took when the servants came on the road and said, bother the master no longer for your daughter is dead. And Jesus looks. Can you imagine? I'm thinking the grief inside of him. This woman with the issue of blood, she, couldn't she have waited? She's been waiting for 12 years. Don't you think she could have waited just a little bit longer so that my daughter could live? And Jesus looks, perceives in his heart and says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Because with God, what looks like death is only someone who's asleep. In 2 Kings chapter, chapter 6, you know, we've looked at, uh, if you guys want to go ahead to verse 16, if, if you can. Uh, you know, they're surrounded and, and, and he's afraid. And, uh, and, and he says this, he, he, he says, so he answered, do not fear those who are for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, if I'm the servant of Elisha, I'm thinking, I see two people. They got like 10,000. Two 10,000. I'm not very good at math, but I think 10,000 is bigger. <laughs> and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. <laughs> what we need to know is that fear paralyzes while faith mobilizes. 
Fear paralyzes. Faith mobilizes. Fear paralyzes. Faith mobilizes. Look at, look at the servant. When, when he was afraid, what did he say? What are we going to do? But what did Elisha do? He prayed. See, fear is all about self. When faith will tell me that I need to focus more on the kingdom of God than my comfort. Because it's not about me. It's about the kingdom. It's about what Jesus is trying to do in me. See, we go from being afraid when we finally get that purpose, when we finally get in agreement with that faith, we go from being afraid to being ready to obey his every command, even if it doesn't make sense. Do you know the rest of the story? Elisha actually prays just like we read, and, and, and the Syrian army is blinded, and he leads them to the king of Israel in Samaria. Now, if I'm the guy in charge, I'm thinking, okay, they're blind, they can't see, we're going to take them over here, and we'll just will win. But that wasn't the command of God. You see in the story that God says, feed them and send them home. Sometimes faith looks like feeding your enemy and walking away, not destroying them. That's what it looks like. And when we finally get a, get a hold of it, as we get ready to go back to Kevin McAllister and what it might look like in his story when he gets a hold of faith. Let's take a look. You see the difference? When he had a false sense of faith in himself, he was still afraid. But when he had faith in something bigger than himself, he had a plan. Because God can reveal to you what the enemy wants to do to you before the enemy ever shows up. It, it, I mean, come on. Did you see the, the crayon drawing of the battle plan? Like, I'm like, one, this is awesome, but what eight-year-old knows exactly what robbers are going to do? No. And how to make black ice and use tar. I'm like, first of all, why do they have creepy mannequins? Second of all, why do they have gallons of tar in their basement? <laughs> Weird. But that's the way it looks. That's the way it can feel for us. That we don't know what we're doing, but the Holy Spirit plans to reveal. Think about this. So much of our life is in the unseen. In Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. See, God wants to reveal himself to you. And what we have to know about faith is that faith is the unseen revelation of God's plan for your life. It's unseen. God wants to reveal it to you. But you may be here today, and you might be saying, but Pastor Jeff, you don't know the kind of darkness that I'm in in my life. You don't know what is. You're over here talking about what will be, but I'm still looking at what is. And that's so far off, I don't even know how I'm going to get there. I'm so deep in darkness. You're telling me that fear is all about me and faith tells me to think more about the kingdom than myself. But why is it that I feel like God is building the kingdom at the expense of breaking me? Why? Well, let's go back to our story and see if we can't answer that question. This is probably one of the most profound scenes in the entire movie. See, God's not trying to break you for the sake of the kingdom. He's trying to get the kingdom in you and through you. My favorite part of that whole clip, he says, I used to worry about it all the time, 
But when I turned the light on, it was no big deal. And that's the Christmas story. Jesus came from heaven to earth, not to turn the light on, but to be the light of the world. He came to turn the light on in your darkness to show you that what you've been afraid of this whole time has no power for where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And tonight, God wants you to be free. God doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow. God doesn't want you to worry about what you're going to eat. He's saying, quit thinking on such a small scale. I'm trying to get the kingdom to you. If you never face impossible situations, you'll never know that I'm the God who does the impossible. But Jesus, I'm uncomfortable. Good. I'm trying to kill your flesh so that you can walk in the spirit. I've got a purpose for you. Y'all remember Mary, right? You know, whole virgin, had a baby, kind of saved the world, kind of big deal. Mary, I thought she had the same opportunity to agree with fear in the unseen or agree with faith in the unseen. Check it out. The angel shows up and says, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a baby and it's going to come from the Holy Spirit. And she says, the Holy who? <laughs> Don't you think that she knew what was happening? She was engaged. Don't you think that she knew people were going to talk about her? Because all of a sudden you're pregnant. You ain't even married yet and you're pregnant. Oh, people are going to talk. But what she determined was in the unseen things of life, when she was uh, getting to the place where she could have a choice whether to be afraid of what the critics were going to say or to do what Jesus was asking, she said, let it be done unto me as you say. Why? Because she made an agreement that the purpose of God on her life was greater than the critics of her life. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. The purpose of God on your life is greater than the voices of the critics. See, in Psalms chapter 23, you might have thought I forgot about it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Somebody needs to be reminded tonight that the good shepherd who leads you beside still waters is the good shepherd who leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at. As long as you're with the shepherd, you're going to be fine. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. God's anointing is running over in your life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why are you so pumped up? Because God's goodness is in your life and you might be blind to it. You might be so blinded by what you see. What is that you forget you're walking with the God who created sight? You might be so messed up by the fact that people are talking. Well, guess what? God spoke before they were ever born what you were going to do. He wrote it down in his book. He said, I laid out the plans and I knew what people were going to say, but I was going to show off and they were going to shut up because when God shows off, people can't talk except to praise him. Come on. If you get one thing tonight, if you get one thing tonight, I want you to get this. God's goodness is not dependent upon location. God is good when you're in still waters. He's good when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. You know why he is? Check it out. This is so cool. 
because Jesus died on the cross and he made the valley of the shadow of death just a valley because death doesn't have any power anymore. He defeated it. So you might be in deep darkness, but you're walking with the light. You're walking with the light. My favorite part, here we go. I say that a lot, but that's because I get excited. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Quit turning around trying to see God's goodness and just follow the shepherd. It's following you. When you follow Jesus, the goodness follows you. When you follow Jesus, the goodness follows you. God's goodness is chasing after you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's time for us to get out of the trap of fear and agree with what God said and say, so be it unto me what you have said to me. Let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done. Not, what if it is done? What, what, what if it doesn't happen? Of course we have an opportunity for fear. Y'all remember when he goes to the laundry room and he goes doing the laundry and he looks and he tells it to be quiet? That's the nice version. And it be, it's quiet? That's what faith looks like. I don't need you talking to my ear. I've been talking to Jesus. Would you stand up on your feet with me? Our, our prayer team, if you're available, if you'll be, if you get ready. Tonight, you may be in this room and you may be saying, you've described my life. I'm so afraid of the unseen. I'm so afraid of what will be. I'm afraid of how I'm gonna get from where I'm at to where I'm going. Well, tonight's your night because where the spirit of the Lord is. And guess what? Because we showed up in his name, he's here in this place and his freedom is here with us. Amen. God's spirit is here and he wants to deliver you and me from the grip of fear. Tonight's your night. Would you bow your heads? If you're in the room and you're saying, that's me, I'm so afraid and it's keeping me from producing the kingdom fruit that God wants me to produce. I wanna pray for you. There's nothing special about my prayer. I just want to show you, give you an example of what it looks like to take authority that's given because you're a child of God. If you're in this place and you're saying, I need freedom from fear, nobody's looking around. Would you just lift up your hand if that's you? See those hands. See those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? You can put them down. Let me pray for you. Father God, for every person who said, I've been afraid, I've been paralyzed, right now in the name of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, we take authority over fear and we put it back in its place, which is under our feet. We're not gonna listen to a spirit that has no way to produce. We're only gonna listen to the Holy Spirit. And he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. I break fear in the name of Jesus right now. God, I pray that you would fill them up. Remind them that you, you know the plans you have for them. Remind them of your goodness. Remind them that your goodness is chasing you and that goodness isn't dependent upon location. If you're here and you've never met Jesus, you've got to start there. You can't, you can't get free 
from fear if you don't know who Jesus is. If you've never accepted Jesus, tonight's your night. He's not mad at you. He's drawing you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? Is there anybody in the room who say, that's me? That's me. Anybody? God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, today we didn't watch a movie. We spoke the word of God, which is truth, into our lives. And we make an agreement in the unseen to live in faith and not fear. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, God's good, isn't he? Come on. Yeah, yeah, let's give him a hand clap. Hey, I want to invite you to come back next week. The Cubby, the Caboose launch, the coloring book launch is going to be awesome. Invite your friends. You don't want to miss it. Get as many kids here as you can. It's going to be great. If you didn't raise your hand and you're like, man, I want to accept Jesus, we'll be over in the corner. If you need a prayer partner to agree with you, they're over here. They would love to pray for you. I want to let you know that I love you. Pastor Ty and Heather love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. God bless, and we'll see you next week.